been fun, though, to, to really go through, dial in a little bit deeper, look behind the scenes a little bit of what these scriptures are, are talking about, what their, what their, uh, their meaning is, and, uh, and that's what we're going to do today. If you got your Bible, turn to Deuteronomy 7. We're in the Old Testament today. It's been a little while. We've been in the New Testament a lot, so we're going to the Old Testament today, and uh, this is going to be one of those messages where you are hearing what I'm saying and you're reading the scriptures, but you're also applying it to your life consistently, okay? It's one of those things where every single point is, there's gonna, it's gonna hit an area of your life. And so just be open to it, be ready for it, all right? Everybody ready to be honest with yourself? A lot of times we go to church to just sit in the pew, but today it's gonna be like, hey, man, is that me? Am I dealing with that? You know, what's the deal? And, um, and so today the subject is resistance, resistance. How many of you love resistance in life? You just love it. Like you really embrace it, you know? No, of course not. We always choose what? The path of least resistance. I mean, if it had us all raise our hands, everybody would say, I choose the path of least resistance in my life. I want the easiest way possible. You know what I'm saying? Well, uh, I, got a, I got a quote for you from H.G. Wells. He says, the path of least resistance is the path of the loser. So, uh, so most of us in this room have just identified ourselves as losers today. Welcome to Northwood. We're always looking for a way to encourage you and just, just lift you up, you know, with really cool trick questions and things. But a lot of times in our life, that's exactly what's up. We are looking for the easiest way, the path of least resistance, because it's the easiest way and work smarter, not harder, right? And, uh, but the thing is, is that resistance really causes growth. Whenever we're in times of resistance, those are the times that we experience the most growth, Okay, uh, comfort zones is a place where you do not grow, all right? If, I, if I'm in a place that I'm not feeling resistance, I'm not being encountered with something that's causing me, challenging me, then I'm not growing. I, there's no need to grow, right? I've arrived in that moment. And so resistance causes growth. And we're gonna learn today what resistance looks like in the lives of the Israelites and again, how it applies to us. We're gonna start by reading in Deuteronomy 7, verse one through six. And then we're going to, actually, we're going to steal from a few weeks from now to judges, by the way. We're going to cheat today and today only, all right? Because we want to see how the story begins and how it, how it ends. So anyway, Deuteronomy 7, verse 1 through 6 says this. When the Lord your God brings you into the land you are about to enter and occupy, he will clear away many nations ahead of you. So it's, we really want to establish some thoughts first. It says, when the Lord your God brings you into the land that you are about to enter and occupy, he will clear away away many nations. So there's a whole lot of God doing stuff in this moment, okay? He's, he's just letting them know. God's gonna give you this land. He's gonna clear away these ahead of you. These are the people, the nations. The Hittites, Girgashites, Amorites, Canaanites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. These seven nations are greater and more numerous than you. He's like, hey, they're better than you, all right? They're, they're, they're bigger, they're better, they're stronger. They're more numerous than you. Um, and uh, verse two, when the Lord your God hands these nations over to you and you conquer them, you must completely destroy them, which is a huge point. He's like, I don't want, you, I don't want them to just be conquered. I want them to, to be removed, okay? Like completely destroyed. Make no treaties with them and show them no mercy. You must not intermarry with them. Do not let your daughters and sons marry their sons and daughters, for they will lead your children away from me to worship other gods. Then the anger of the Lord will burn against you, and he will quickly destroy you. 
This is what you must do. You must break down their pagan altars and shatter shatter their sacred pillars, cut down their Asherah poles and burn their idols. For you are a holy people who belong to the Lord your God. Of all the people on earth, the Lord your God has chosen you to be his own special treasure. It's extremely important as we, as we look forward in a second that you understand what's going on here. God has chosen them. He set them apart. He's like, I'm gonna give you victory in everything, but I just want you to simply obey what I say. Okay, just, just finish the job, all right? So let's skip forward to Judges 3, verse one and two. It says, these are the nations that the Lord left in the land to test those Israelites who had not experienced the wars of Canaan. He did this to teach warfare to generations of Israelites who had no experience in battle. God leaves these nations in order to test the Israelites. He left them. He's like, let's see what they're made of. And then also he left it because some of them never fought before. They never fought before. They were never engaged in battle. And, And right off the bat for me, when I was reading this, I thought about spiritual warfare, how many times we're really good about encountering resistance that we can see and deal with. You know what I'm talking about? But when it comes to things that we can't see, spiritual warfare, sometimes we get blindsided. We're not even thinking about it. We haven't engaged in that before. We're not used to it. We're not aware of it. And so we get blindsided, we get taken out. Okay, so there's different aspects of this, but it's all resistance. And, um, and so the key statement for today's message is this. Resistance exists in life to expose the weaknesses that keep us from pleasing God and experiencing his best for our lives. We, we are gonna encounter resistance. It's gonna happen. Okay, everybody realize that. You are going to encounter resistance. Uh, If you're not, you're going with the flow, and many times going with the flow is not a good thing, all right? We're gonna encounter resistance in life, but resistance exists and it exposes things. It's not that it was never there. Okay, whenever we go through stuff, we experience resistance. That weakness that is exposed, it's not like it was created by this resistance that came in. It was already there. All right, you guys have probably heard the stories of, of athletes who were uh, maybe like a basketball player. They're running, they're in the middle of a game and they're going to do a layup and they plant and all of a sudden their leg snaps. And it's like, what happened? I mean, it was just a regular step. What happened? Well, he had micro fi- uh, fractures, right, in that, in that bone. And then at whenever there was just the right amount of pressure applied, it broke. The weakness was already there. No idea, no pain, no nothing. And then all of a sudden the right amount of resistance was applied and boom. The leg broke. And so, so, you know, sometimes we want to blame others for the resistance, for the weaknesses that are exposed in the resistance. No, 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 no. The weaknesses isn't here, all right? I've, the weakness is in me right now. It's just when the resistance comes, it's going to expose those things. Uh, so we're going to look at seven weaknesses that are exposed in Israel by resistance. And, and they're represented by the seven nations that they needed to, again, completely destroy. They needed to completely destroy them, all right? Uh, and this also applies to us. So the first, the first weakness that is exposed by resistance is fear. Number one is fear. And, and a few of these you're gonna realize we've talked a lot about over the last few months uh, because we deal with them all the time, all right? And in the Bible, these things, these themes are constantly dealt with because it's, 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 they're 
big weaknesses in our, um, in our, really in our sinful nature. But fear is, is the first thing. And fear is represented by the Hittites. And these were giants. These were, they were known as just giants in the land. They terrorized people. They struck fear in the hearts of everyone. I mean, simply because of how they looked. I mean, come on, if I walk up to a huge person, they don't have to say much. I'm already like submitted to them, okay? I'm just like, you know, don't hit me, all right? They're just huge. I'm intimidated by them because they're big. Also, it might be because I'm extremely small, but that's neither here nor there for right now, all right? But they, they encounter these people. They're giants. They're intimidating, and they strike fear into their hearts. Now, fear is something that all of us at some in some part of our life we're gonna, are going to encounter. A lot of times it comes in different ways, though. Uh, anxiety, worry, we encounter it in different ways. I know for me personally, last year, I really had a new understanding of fear. Um, I always thought of it as just, as just that moment where I'm like in the fetal position in a corner, you know, scared of something. But, but really when I started seeing some things in my life um, that I realized I was fearful of, and it was coming out in different ways. It might be anger. All right, but but really that was because I was being defensive, okay? It was all rooted in maybe a fear of rejection or a fear of failing or whatever. But really fear is this this very strange uh, uh, weakness that we all have and and it's shown in different ways. But we have to realize that, like 2 Timothy 1 says, God has not given us a spirit of fear. If if you're operating in fear in your life and you're experiencing anxiety and worry, uh, don't accept that and just say, this is life. This is just how it's going to be for me. I'm going to operate in this moment. No, God hasn't called you to that. God hasn't called you to live a life of fear. He hasn't put that in you. That is a weakness that has to be dealt with. And resistance, things that we go through, exposes that. But it's exposed. Why? So we can deal with it, so we can move forward. And the remedy of fear is faith. Come on, faith overcomes fear. We read about it a few weeks ago, whenever the disciples were in the boat with, uh, out and, and, and the waves are going nuts and they're, they're freaking out and Jesus stands up and he's like, why do you guys, why'd y'all lose your faith? Why are you so fearful? He's like, where's your, where's your faith in me? And many times in life, whenever we're going through those dark places, we got to remember that our faith is supposed to be set on God, not on ourselves. And that's faith, faith. So, so fear paralyzes, but faith propels. How many of you have ever been in a season of fear and you felt just paralyzed where you were at? Maybe it was a decision that was right in front of you and you just couldn't make that decision. You just couldn't step out because you were full of fear. Fear par- paralyzes, but faith propels you. Faith gives you what you need to go to the next place. But number one, fear. Number two, resistance exposes instability. Instability, and it's, this is illustrated by the Girgashites. The Girgashites, they were some people that they wandered around. They never put roots down. They, they weren't like stable. They were in an unstable people, and uh, you never knew where they were going to be. You know what I'm talking about? You got some friends like that, like they just pop up here and there. Like, dude, I haven't seen you in six years. Where have you been? Where, where have you been? Oh, just around. What does that mean? <laughs> around, you know, if you were somewhere, oh, just, man, just traveling. You know, where? <laughs> but kind of feel a little bit of instability there. You're like, you might not be able to count on them. That's the Gergeshites. They were the people that, like, came in and you're like, ah, man, I text you three years ago and you never, no, okay. But just unstable. You can't count them. That's how the Gergeshites were. Now, this is where I want to say something. The, the nations that, that Israel were, they were going to be encountering it wasn't always the, maybe the, the issue of them being destroyed by these nations, 
But there was another danger, and it was them being infiltrated by these nations and, and causing the Israelites to compromise their belief system, who they were, and change who they were to be like the culture that they were around. That was another thing that God knew. He saw that danger there, and he's like, That's, I don't want you to even mess with them because they will affect you. That's why he said, I want you to crush their idols and all this kind of stuff. So whenever the Israelites are encountering the Girgashites, yeah, the Girgashites are unstable, but the Girgashites, I think their way of living, kind of like that, maybe like a hippie lifestyle, you know what I'm saying? Kind of, kind of showed the Israelites a new way, and it's almost a little bit tempting. I mean, I, I think we can kind of adopt some of those things whenever God's like, no, I don't want you to be like them. I don't want you to, to, to have no roots. I want you to put your roots down. I don't want you to be a wanderer. In James 1, it talks about that, like a, a person that's tossed around like the waves, right? An unstable, a double-minded person. It's very difficult to, to please God with that type of mentality because there's no progress. Instability is like spinning your wheels. There's no progress. We've got to have progress in our life. And the remedy to instability is decisiveness. Being decisive. How many of you in this room, let's be, let's be honest for just this moment, we're very indecisive people, right? Yeah, I'm like that sometimes. I've literally been in conversations where I'm talking to somebody about something and like, I need to make the decision in that moment. And I'm, I'm going, I'm doing the really uh, intellectual thing, asking a lot of questions. You know what I'm talking about? well, what happens whenever this, well, what would be, but, but, but really inside, I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> you know, I just want to bail out of this moment. This is indecisive thing. And it, sometimes, hey, look, that's just part of the process. But there is a line, a threshold where that indecision, again, just like fear paralyzes you in life. And again, no progress. The remedy to this instability is decisiveness. Number three is pride. Man, have we talked about pride a lot over the last few weeks, Right? It is a running theme in, in the word of God, pride, pride. And, and, and again, every time that we talk about pride, I see two different angles. I see one is just us as people. We get very prideful about the things that we've accomplished, who we are, our status, right? We poke our chest out. The other side is something that's a little bit more difficult to identify sometimes as Christians, and it's this thing of spiritual pride. And it's this thing you feel when you get around somebody. It's a kind of a legalistic, judgmental feel where where maybe they've taken ground in their walk with God. And so now they almost lord that over people, right? It's taken me 20 years to get where I'm at with God, but in two months, you should be doing this, this, and this, and this, and this. And it's, it's, it, 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 it surfaces in different ways, but it's really just spiritual pride, but it's both the same thing. It's a prideful spirit. It's a haughty spirit. And, and this is illustrated by the Amorites. They were the largest nation. They were the big dogs. They were arrogant, boastful, and I mean, come on, they're the big dogs. So what's people gonna do, right? So they were prideful people, boastful. And Proverbs 16, 18, again, we all know it. Pride goes before destruction and haughtiness before a fall. I think we could all look back at times in our life whenever we've been very haughty, very cocky. And soon after that, we, we, we see the wall that we hit, right? The fall that we took, um, <laughs> it's, it's like the guy that's on the football field talking trash, you know what I'm saying? And, and all of a sudden he gets blindsided. Why? He was talking trash. He wasn't paying attention. He didn't know there was a guy right behind him. Just whack, took him out. Pride's like that. 
We get full of ourselves. We can only see what's in front of us. And then a fall takes place. And, and humility is one of those things that I believe that we can engage in and, and, and experience and not have to go through all the turmoil. But nine times out of ten, that's how we operate. All right, we only, we only learn humility by making mistakes. And process the process of life tends to do that. But God desires us to have a, a humble spirit. And, that, and that's the, the remedy to pride is humility. We must be a, a humble people. Number four is resistance exposes insecurity. Insecurity. This is represented by the Canaanites. They were the financial giant at the time. They dominated other nations. They, they manipulated, they intimidated because they had money. And so they just lured that over people. And again, I think this more than anything exposed insecurity in the Israelites uh, because of how confident Canaan was. And, it, and it, how many of you guys have ever been like that? You've been around somebody that's so confident, so boastful or whatever, that it just intimidates you and it exposes areas of insecurity in your life that you didn't know were there. I mean, I, I have been there uh, even in the last you know, few months in certain arenas. You know, as you, as you progress in life, you get around different circles of people and, and whenever you walk into a circle and there's, you're, you're with some people that are very, very experienced in, in that circle and you're not, what do you do? You just kind of stand there quietly because you got nothing to say, right? And that can expose areas of insecurity in your heart, in your life. And then insecurity can cause you to be defensive, lash out, right? Usually whenever you see somebody that's lashing out, you don't think of them as being insecure, you think of them as being very confident because they are lashing out, but a lot of times it's actually a defense mechanism and it's based in insecurity. And, and times in my life where I've been insecure, it's usually been uh, based off of this scripture right here. Um, I'm gonna read it and then explain. Jeremiah 17, seven, but blessed are those whose trust is in the Lord and have made the Lord their hope and confidence. The times that I'm insecure are the times that I have not made God my hope and my confidence. It's whenever I have somehow, some way, begin to look at myself and try to have confidence in myself and in my ability to make something happen or whatever the case is, and I lose sight of who I am. I'm a child of the king. I'm not, I'm not self-made, right? In, in anything in our life, we're not self-made people. We must keep our confidence in God. And if Israel would have done this, they wouldn't have fallen. They wouldn't have misunderstood their identity and they would have been around the Canaanites and not been influenced by them. The remedy to insecurity is confidence. Confidence. Some of you are very insecure people. You get around a group of people, people start talking, and then you're the one that eventually makes it awkward because you take something personal. You know what I'm talking about? You ever been there? Like you're the guy that... that Somebody makes a joke, then all of a sudden you take it serious and you ruin the whole night. None of you in here. It was just me and my friends. It was just, it was just us, yeah. You know, where somebody takes, they just took it too serious. It's like, dude, chill. They're insecure. Their weakness was exposed by some resistance, right? Number five, resistance exposes an undisciplined life. And we're gonna camp out on some of these a little bit longer. An undisciplined life. This is represented by the parasites and they were a defenseless village. They had no boundaries. They had no walls, okay? That's, what, that's who these people were. And this is a very interesting thing because in our culture and in the way that we think, come on, we want to like have all freedom. We don't want anybody telling us what to do, 
how to live our life, how to handle our money, what to eat, when to sleep, right? We don't want anybody doing that because it feels constrictive. But many times, do you guys realize that the, the, the structures and the systems around us actually provide safety for us? A lot of people don't want to be in the confines of marriage, right? That's just one of them. They don't want to be in the confines of marriage. They'd rather have options, right? So they kind of float around, but even though that's not the, the pattern that God has set. But they, why? Because marriage is so constrictive. But marriage has a way of showing you parts of your personality and character that you didn't know existed, right? <laughs> Bring it all to the surface. Speaking of resistance, right? Marriage. But it's this process that God has put into place, which is really phenomenal. It's a great commitment. It's a great example of Christ's love for us that through the thick and the thin, we're together, we're, we're in covenant. But many people run from that. I mean, come on, just think about all the things in your life, all the structures, the systems that many times we don't want to engage in, but really those things are for our benefit. Our government, our police force, right? Could you imagine America without those things? No, of course not. It wouldn't be America anymore. I don't know what it would be. It'd be a mess, right? Those structures, those people, the authority, the, the structure that God has put into place really provides safety. But these people were not like that. They were, they were totally free in one sense, but they were totally open to be destroyed in another. And in our lives, we can live undisciplined lives where we don't have structure, we don't have boundaries, we don't have walls, right? We don't have fences that keep us safe. Fences keep things, some things in and, and keep some things out, right? So if you make uh, boundaries in your life according to what the word of God says and you, and you draw standards, then you operate in those and that's a place of safety, Come on, right now, while you're thinking clearly to make standards that you, live, that you have to live by, you won't be in a place where in the moment you make one of those bad decisions that you had never actually decided before. I used to tell people this. I say, you know, you make the hard decisions now before they're in front of you. You know, uh, I was in youth ministry for a long time and obviously sitting around a bunch of young guys all the time. I said, guys, look, you make the decision now to, to not have sex before marriage. Like that was one of the things, Right. You make that decision now. You don't wait till you're in a position, okay, in a position of compromise before you're like, you know, I never thought about this before. Lord, what do you think? You know, it's like, no, 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 no. You set your standards of purity beforehand and then you operate in those. It doesn't mean it's not still difficult, you know, and think about things financially. Uh, say you set a, a precedence that I will, I'm gonna tithe, man. I'm gonna, I'm gonna be obedient with my finances and the tithe. Say that's one of those things. Well, once you make that decision and you set that standard, you operate in it. It's no more, it's not a question anymore, right? Take, take what I'm saying and apply it all the little different things in your life, man. Set some boundaries in your life to have a disciplined life and stop letting life decide to you, you know what I'm saying, how you're gonna live it. Come on, let's, we gotta think ahead. We've got to prayerfully consider these things and say, man, am I living a life that's undisciplined, no boundaries? Because boundaries are set for safety. The remedy to this uh, undisciplined life is self-control. The Bible says in 20, uh, Proverbs 25, 28, a person without self-control is like a city with broken down walls. Come on, do you lack self-control? Today's a day to begin to engage with that and set some standards, set some boundaries, and to begin to operate in self-control. None of us want to. Self-control is annoying, right? But we need it. And it's a, it's a spiritual discipline. Number six, resistance exposes materialism. 
Materialism. This is represented by the Hivites. And these people, they lived lavishly. They were kind of like the, uh, the celebrity nation, okay? They just, they had it all. They were living it up. And come on, can you imagine the Israelites getting around these people? They've been living in the desert. I want to be like the Hivites, man. You know, they had it all. They were living it up. And it really, it tested a weakness of materialism and man, we could literally spend a couple of weeks talking about materialism and how it looks in our nation. Because whenever we say the word materialism, it sounds so dirty and like, ooh, I'm not materialistic. You know what I'm saying? Said in a Valley Girl accent, you know, uh, I'm not <laughs> materialistic. That would never be me. Uh, but, you know, then we watch HDTV and um, immediately it's like, Baby, we got to burn our house down. It is terrible. It's ugly. It's disgusting. It smells weird. We got to get out of this hellhole. You know what I'm saying? Like, we got to progress, man. Look at these people. You know, I saw somebody, they put it yesterday. It was like these two people, it was a picture of them. And, and one was, they were like, I volunteered at the local animal shelter. And another person was, I, I do another volunteer work, but yet our budget is like $1.6 million. You know, isn't it true? You're watching HDTV and these people, how do they... How do they make money to go on these, I'm going to buy an island. You have a part-time job. I don't understand it. But anyway, uh, literally, I'm watching. I'm just like, I don't understand how they afford all this stuff. But, but what is it? What does it stir up, right? Materialism. It causes you to look at what you have and say, I could do better than this. I think I, think I could do better than this. And all of a sudden, you're having this battle with materialism and uh, maybe it's envy or, or greed, however you want to put it, but it's really the same thing. It's, man, am I going to like sacrifice what I know I need to do in order to get something I, I think I need, right? Or am I going to continue to obey and live a lifestyle that pleases God? And, and having a lot of nice things isn't, doesn't mean you're not pleasing God, all right? We don't believe that. Uh, actually, out of 1 Timothy 6.10, it says this, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. The love of money... By the way, everybody says money is the root of all evil. It's not. It's the love of it. It's the greed, right? The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. Some people chasing more stuff, uh, more materialistic things, they end up falling off a cliff in life. And the remedy to materialism is contentment. Ask yourself this question, am I content with what I have in life right now? Am I, am I truly just, am I okay with where I'm at? You know, years ago, me and Nadine, my wife, we were trying to sell our house and because uh, we had to say, we want to upgrade. We want to move forward in life, you know? And, um, and, and so we, we tried selling the house like literally three times and nothing was taking place. And, um, and finally, one day I was, sitting, I was sitting in the living room and I finally just said, God, I'm, I'm content with what I have. I looked around the house and I was like, Lord, I'm, I'm, con- <laughs> I'm content with that staircase that's not built properly and it's steeper than the normal staircase and I've fallen down it multiple times. Lord, I'm content with that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I- I'm content with that weird door and how it does that weird thing. I'm content with the fact that whenever we close a door, our whole house kind of shakes because it's poorly made. Lord, I just, ah. <laughs> and that's the more I prayed. I had to, again, pray more because I was like realizing all the things I hated about the house, right? And uh, y'all know how it is, man. You're like, I love it. I think, Lord, I'm content. I'm trying really hard. But I had to come to a place where I was content with what I had. Like, God, I'm thankful that I even have a house. Let's start there. 
Let's start with that perspective, uh, which is the right perspective. All right, I'm, I'm content to have a place to live. And uh, God's faithful, and uh, we're in a, a better place now. Uh, but but God's, God's faithful, you know. But I, I believe that it started with just that heart of contentment, which is like, you know what, if I, if I have to remain here my whole life, I'm still okay with that, God. Like, I'm not going to complain about the blessings. That, at one point, it was a blessing. At one point, I was literally on my knees like, God, thank you for this house. And then stuff changed, comparison, whatever. And then I got to a place where I was cursing the very thing that God blessed me with, right? Y'all know how that works. All right, contentment, contentment. Number seven, it's the last one. Resistance exposes impurity. Resistance exposes impurity. This is represented by the Jebusites who were a very immoral people. They did what they wanted to do, all right? And nobody could tell them otherwise. But they were very immoral, okay? I think what they did probably correlated with these scriptures right here. It's out of Galatians 5, 19 through 21. It says, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature or like the Jebusites followed whatever they wanted to do, right? The results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Man, these are some of the most straightforward scriptures in the Bible, in my opinion. It's just like, hey, people, are, what, what things are sin? There's some right there, all right? If you need to know, there they are, you know? There's a lot of things that are inside of us that as we go through life, we encounter resistance and it exposes those things, right? We talked about that earlier. And impurity is, is no different, okay? There's times in, of life where it's like, I, I would never do that. I would never, right? We said that a couple weeks ago. I, will, I never will. And then all of a sudden you enter into a new season of life and the thing that you were so confident in, you're no longer confident in because of you know, this resistance, it exposed this weakness in you. And this thing of impurity is something that we will always have to deal with, always have to deal with. And, and you know, okay, so I grew up in church, right? I grew up in church and I had a lot of friends that grew up with me in church. And everybody's like having a great time, like 12, 13, 14 years old, we're like going to camp and we're all like going after Jesus and everything's great. And then whenever we all started turning 15 and 16 and 17 and 18, right? Things started changing. And, and some of my buddies that were so like on fire for God began to wane a little bit. And then they started kind of veering off the path. And, and it was kind of strange. I was like, what's going on? And then I started dealing with some stuff myself. And some of my buddies were older than me. And I'm like, wait, what is this? Well, you know, as you go through life, you encounter new seasons, like I just said. And again, those weaknesses are exposed, or maybe they were never tested in the first place. And you know, young people, look, as you go through life, you're gonna encounter new seasons. And it's almost like starting from scratch sometimes, where like you thought that you had it whipped, like you thought that, man, I'm good. Like I done, I done, I took care of that, right? And then all of a sudden you're like, wait, I'm encountering new thoughts, new temptations. And uh, again, it's just like the children of Israel. They're walking through different nations. They're walking through different areas and different areas of their life are exposed. And that's right. You've got to fight 
You've got to fight. You've got to encounter that resistance and encounter that weakness of impurity. And let me tell you, this is one of the big ones right here, impurity. It's one of the things that's it's deeply rooted in our sinful nature. And it's a hook. It's a hook and it seeks to catch you and snare you and really throw you off. And so the remedy to impurity is holiness. Holiness. And holiness is not an exciting word for many people. It's, it's a big word. It really means set apart. Church, do y'all know that we're set apart? Do, do you guys know that we are different than the culture, than the, wor- the world? Like we are different. We are set apart. And sometimes we're trying to be so like politically correct. I don't know. We're trying to blend in so much and see where we align with people in culture that we forget where we absolutely can never align with culture because it's diabolically opposed to who God is. And purity is one of these places. There's never gonna be a time whenever the things that we just read in Galatians are okay in God's eyes. It's never gonna happen, okay? We're set apart, we're different. We are holy. We are God's holy people, right? His chosen people set apart for his good work. And so we've got to remember this. These are seven weaknesses that you will encounter if you have not already encountered, all right? As you walk, especially forward, as you progress in your relationship with God, some things are gonna come to the surface. So let's look at this. Let's look at how the Israelites encountered these weaknesses and and what the result was. And we're gonna find that in Judges 3, verse five through seven. Pretty quickly, we find out (laughs) where they're coming from. So the people of Israel lived among them. Right there. They lived among the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, Jebusites, the people that God said, hey, I I want you to completely destroy them. They find themselves not destroying them and then also living with them. Right there, you can already see the compromise. And so how does it play out? Verse six, they intermarried with them. Israelite sons married their daughters and Israelite daughters were given in marriage to their sons. And the Israelites served their gods. The Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight. They forgot about the Lord, their God, and they served the images of Baal and the Asherah poles. They really messed things up. The very thing that God told them not to do, warned them about, gave them a heads up. Like, hey guys, in a few years, like this is coming. It'd be like me telling you, hey, around that corner, there's an ambush. It's coming. It's not if, it's when, okay? So be aware of it. But how many of you know when somebody warns us about something, we somehow still fall into the same trap a lot of times. It's like, I mean, I thought I told you, I know you told me, but I just, I don't know. Right? That's what's going on here, except it's in a big way. The Israelites fail. The Israelites displease God. They do the very, the very thing. They, the, those weaknesses, they fell into those traps. And they lived with them. And that's where the point of the message is about the whole getting close to them infiltrated them. The, the, the enemies didn't seek to destroy them, obviously. They're intermarrying. So they weren't looking to kill the Israelites. They were just looking to come alongside them and marry them, and, and, and weaken them, dilute them to a place where they were gonna be ineffective. And in our lives, man, I'm telling you guys, the, the ways of the world, the thinking of the world, these weaknesses we just talked about, they have a way of just infiltrating your life. It's not one day, boom, it happened. 
it's a year. It's a new buddy at work that you start hanging out with and all of a sudden the way that he thinks and processes, which is not aligned with the word of God, begins to mess with you. And then all of a sudden, what is it? Man, it's intermingling with something that you're not. Now, here's the deal. We really should be at a place of strength and health where we can be in those dark places and it not shake us. Like That's where we should be. However, we have to have wisdom in those times and realize whenever we are being affected in a negative way and then we flee, right? That's the biblical thing, flee from darkness, right? Well, well, this is where the Israelites are. They're in a place of failure. And, uh, you know, it's almost kind of like a movie, you know, where the, like the, the, the key character is dead in the middle of a street and the music stops. You know what I'm talking about? And it's like, and you see like his scraped up face and he's like bloody and you're just like, oh, man, he died. This is it. And then it's quiet. And then all of a sudden the music changes and it's like, bum, 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 bum. And you're like, oh, he's not dead. He's not dead. I knew it. You know, and he, and he starts breathing. You're like, yes. You know, anyway, bad visual, but, but this is what takes place is in the story, the music changes and like most stories in the Bible does, it changes. And there's always this redemptive side of what's going on. And we're going to see this here in Judges 3. And it says in verse 9, But when the people of Israel cried out to the Lord for help, the Lord raised up a rescuer to save them. All right, yes. That's good news, guys. All right, the Lord raised up a rescuer. And uh, this guy's name was Othniel, which uh, if your name is Othniel, I apologize just for the fact that your name is Othniel. That's a strange name. But that was this guy's name. He's raised up as a rescuer, and he does great things. There ends up being peace in the land, and, and everybody's in a great place, right? Well, well, in our lives, many times we do. We succumb to these weaknesses. We succumb to sin. We, we, we fail. But again, we've got to remember that God has sent a rescuer. Now, now if God wanted to condemn us, he would have sent a condemner. Okay, if God wanted to just push us lower down and just condemn us deeper, then, then he wouldn't have sent his son named Jesus, who is our rescuer, who is our redeemer, right? And, and when Jesus comes into the story, he completely overcomes everything, just like what happens here. Like it didn't matter how much the Israelites messed up. There was still a redemptive plan at work. And uh, in our lives, man, look, we're gonna fall. Okay, we're gonna fail. But again, it is, it's not about how many times you fail. It's, it's not about that the righteous get back up. And whenever your confidence is found in God, you have the confidence to stand up and, and, and engage again in this resistance. And you know what? This is a, it's a place of warfare, guys. Look, this, this resistance that we're talking about, it doesn't stop. You're constantly engaged in it. But can I encourage you to continually move forward? Can I encourage you? The things that we've talked about today, many of you, I got through one of those points and you're like, yeah, that was us. Yeah, that was me. That's the one. I don't know about the other one, but that right there. Yeah. Can I encourage you to actually follow through on that? Can I encourage you to, to maybe write that down, talk to somebody who's next to you in the car on the way home and, and say that was us. We need to, we need to deal with this and this, this pattern in our life. Because there are weaknesses, guys, and these weaknesses are not going to go away. They're not going to heal themselves. All right, ignoring stuff doesn't make it better. It just makes it more infected. 
I'm telling you, there's weaknesses in our lives that God, even through this today, is just exposing. He's bringing it up. He's like, hey, that, that matters. But it's your choice how you want to deal with it. God, you're not a puppet in God's hand, okay? We have a free will thing happening here, and we've got to engage in this process. But I know a lot of you in this place today, whenever we talk about engaging in this process, you're in a place of hopelessness. You're in a place of condemnation like we just talked about where you look at Jesus and you look at the message of the cross as a condemning thing on you. And it is, if not for this next scripture in, in uh, John three seventeen and 18, he says, God sent his son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. There's no judgment against anyone who believes in him, but anyone who does not believe in him has already been judged for not believing in God's one and only son. That's right after John 3.16, by the way. A lot of times we stop at John 3.16 and we're happy, but let's just keep reading. It's great news. There's no judgment for you whenever you take Jesus into your life, whenever you receive him into your life. And for, for many of you in this room today, today's the day. Today's the day to, to fall at the feet of Jesus, to recognize him as your rescuer, all right, not your condemner, and to, to join you in this journey of your life. Some of you are fighting these seven weaknesses in your own strength, and that is a bottomless pit of frustration and disappointment. Today is time to put all that down and rely on God. Amen? Amen. Come on, can we bow our heads and close our eyes? And many of you are in this place right now and you don't know Jesus. You don't have a relationship with him. And, and every service that we have here at Northwood, we give an opportunity for you to make a decision to follow God. And it's a great decision, full of hope, full of purpose, full of grace. And what we do is we ask people to raise their hands and, and not right now, but, but in a moment, and that's not to embarrass you. We're not gonna bring you up to the front or do anything weird, but there, there is something about raising your hand and saying, it's me. I admit it. I need Jesus. I'm far from him. I'm operating in these weaknesses in a major way. And today it's time for a change. So right now, if that's you, you're in here and you're in this struggle to choose Jesus or not, I want to give you an opportunity right now to respond to the Holy Spirit. If you need Jesus, would you just raise your hand right now? Come on, all over the room. Yeah, I see you. I see you over there. Another one over here. Another one right here. Back here, I see you. Right here in the middle. Who else? Come on, this is a great, a great decision. One over here. Look, God's grace is sufficient for you. If you're struggling right now with the thought of, I just, I mean, I've been messing up. I've been doing a lot of things wrong and, and, and I just, I can't make this decision. I'm not in a place where I can make this decision yet. I gotta give it a few weeks. I gotta get cleaned up. I want you right now to put all that aside. I'm telling you, God's grace and mercy is here. He, he loves you, he's for you. Anybody else, I just wanna pray with you. Right here, I see you. Come on. This is what we're gonna do. We're gonna pray. And, and I want you to just repeat after me. I, I want you to, to pray to your God and, and engage with him because he's here for you. He's, he's hearing you. The, 
The Bible says a broken heart, contrite spirit, he does not deny. He will not deny you. So right now, let's pray together and your life's gonna be changed. God, I come before you right now, humble, broken. Lord, you know my life. You know the mistakes that I've made. You know where I've been, what I've been saying, what I've been doing. And, and God, I, right now, I am bringing you all of that. I am bringing you my failures, my frustrations, the good, the bad, the ugly, all of it. God, I'm placing it at your feet. And God, I'm asking you to forgive me of my sin as I repent right now and I turn from this, this unrighteous living that I've been engaged in. God, I pray that you replace my stony heart, my hard heart with a heart that can hear you and, and respond to you. God, would you forgive me of my sin, set my feet upon a rock. God, set my life in, in the right direction. God, would you change me from the inside out? I receive your gift of salvation now and I thank you for sending Jesus to die for my sin and my shame in order to give me this moment right now. I love you and I give my life to you in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Come on, can we give it up for those who gave their hearts to God today? Yeah. If you just made that decision, let me be the first to say congratulations. The decision to follow Christ is just the beginning of your relationship with God, and we'd love to help you with your next few steps. If you'll text the word SAVED to 51660, we want to send you a link to our website that'll explain a little more about the decision you just made and give you some steps to take so that you can grow in your new relationship with God. We're one church in multiple locations. We have a campus in Gulfport, Wiggins, and in Long Beach, Mississippi. Mississippi. If you're in one of those areas, we'd love to see you at one of our live services. You can visit our website, northwood.tv, for service times and directions. If you'd like to give to this ministry, you can do that online as well. Just go to northwood.tv give, or you can text the amount you'd like to give to 228-215-3421. Again, that's 228-215-3421. Standard data rates and text charges may apply. Thanks for joining us today. We'll see you next time.